You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Nolan is standing by. Hey, Wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. So the offseason begins in earnest. The attention has been turned to how is it that my team will get better going into next year. In this case, the overwhelming majority of you listening to this podcast, your team is the Buffalo Bills. And so we're going to talk a little bit about off-season roster building. We're going to talk about off-season roster construction theory. And we're going to talk about something that I think is more important this off-season than it's ever been. And that's the idea of figuring out whether or not you're going to be a partisan or whether or not you're going to be an ideologue. One of the things that I struggle with in today's political climate, especially in the United States, is the death of the ideologue in a lot of ways. We often lament that people don't believe in things anymore. They simply believe in winning. And it's not really about what you believe. What you believe in regards to your political stance or your religious stance or your roster building philosophy or whatever it is, What you believe isn't what makes you an ideologue or a partisan. Why you believe it makes you an ideologue or a partisan. If you feel like there's a certain way that you believe a team should be built or a certain way that you believe your team should behave before the roster construction part of the season starts, and then once the bullets start flying, once the team start making moves... Now, all of a sudden, that kind of changes a little bit. Maybe you're not an ideologue. Maybe you're a partisan. You believe something's a good move because your team did it. You believe something's a bad move because you're mad at your team and your team did it. I'm going to sense this offseason, and I want you to pay attention with me, if you will, that before this offseason, the appetite for criticism of the Buffalo Bills and their moves was very, very small. Very small. I anticipate that this offseason, the appetite for criticism of the Buffalo Bills will be much larger than it has. 
because the mob has now decided that it's fair game. The mob has now decided that something isn't a great idea just because Brandon Bean did it. Before, it's just, well, you think you know more than the GM? I had to do an entire podcast on do you think you know more than the GM and what a logical fallacy that is. And I did that specifically because we backed ourselves into a corner with that idea. Something is good because Brandon Bean did it. Something is bad because someone else did it. If someone else does the exact same thing that Brandon Bean does, then it's good when Brandon Bean does it and it's bad when they do it because we're not ideologues. We're partisans. Something is good or bad because of the way we feel about the person who did it, not the way we feel about the action itself. Things are intrinsically good or intrinsically bad for a team in that specific situation. Whether or not they're completed by a guy named Brandon Bean or Schmanden Schmeen is not relevant. And I suspect that more and more of the people who were previously partisan, who were previously saying it's a good move because my guy did it, will now all of a sudden start to be open to more criticism and start to think differently, start to think about the action in a vacuum outside of the person completing the roster construction maneuver. You see this all the time in the information brokerage part of NFL. Recently, Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter had disagreeing tweets about what exactly it is that went down with the Denver Broncos and Sean Payton. Ian Rappaport's tweet said, Unbelievable. The Broncos spent today trying to hire D'Amico Ryans again before he recommitted to the Texans, sources say. When he agreed to terms with the Texans, they moved and finalized Sean Payton. Adam Schefter tweeted out, not 15 minutes later, timing of today's two hires was completely coincidental. Broncos were zeroed in on Sean Payton and didn't make any contact this week with D'Amico Ryans or his agent. Denver was focused on Payton and Houston on Ryans. Who do you believe? We got a source off. Billy Zane, get in here. We need a Zoolander sequel with Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport walking down the catwalk, doing the twirls. But the important thing is that if you'll pay really close attention to the people who believe Schefter versus the people who believe Rappaport, it's mostly Broncos fans who believe Adam Schefter. Why? Because they're partisans. That's the way it works. Nobody wants to believe that their team bungled anything or somehow ended up with their second choice despite the fact that Benjamin Albright who is another Broncos insider absolutely confirms Ian Rappaport's side of the story that Peyton was not their number one choice but they ended up hiring him anyway if this was any other team they would be more than happy to believe that the team messed something up or in my case I don't even believe the Broncos messed anything up I mean not everybody gets their number one choice all the time I don't think that's a mess up. Do you get your number one favorite job every time you want it? Do you get your number one valued employee every time you try and hire somebody? That's not how this works. So I don't think there's a bungling there. It's simply a message from a PR standpoint that the Broncos don't want their fans and Sean Payton and 
everyone else to believe that they didn't get their number one choice. It's just like a GM after the draft telling you that they got the best player available every single time. They got their number one target every single time. Oh man, we were targeting. We were just so glad he was there. Every single pick. Isn't that amazing how every single general manager gets the players they're targeting every single draft? If I was an owner and I went to go hold discussions with my GM about his performance, I would just have all that picture on a loop. I'd have it in a meme and go, well, you you said that you got the number one player available, your number one target every single time. So you don't really have any excuses for not getting the right players. You don't get any of that, well, we had bad luck and you know, somebody jumped us for this player. You don't get to say that at all because you got the player you said that you wanted every single time. Isn't that right? But we need to not just bury ourselves in the partisanship. We need to come up with our own ways. I don't even care if you think that the best way to build a team is to trade up for a running back. I'm going to disagree with you. But believe in something. That's what I beg of you this offseason. Believe in something. Have some idea of what you think the Buffalo Bills should do. And then if they do that, let's be happy. And if they don't do that, let's talk about why you think they should have done that or why you don't think they should have done what they did. Because that's what makes this interesting. And I think there will be more appetite for it this year than there is historically. I think there will be a far fewer instances of, so you think you need more than the GM. I can sense the public turning a little bit. I'm not saying you turning on Brandon Bean. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the perception went from outside the honeymoon phase to, okay, maybe my partner isn't perfect phase. Not everybody can be married to Mrs. Nolan. Not everybody gets a perfect partner. Most people got to deal with some warts, some flaws. One of the things I'd caution us against is developing our philosophies based on only recency bias because it happens all the time. Well, of the final four remaining teams, they have this in common. Of the final two remaining teams, they have this in common. We're throwing sample size completely out the window. Do you remember the Tom Brady, Blake Bortles, Nick Foles, Case Keenum championship weekend? Don't adjust your entire team building philosophy based on what you've seen only most recently. This is an actual excerpt from an article that weekend. Like it or not, this kind of QB independent roster building could be the way of the future in a league ushering in the changing of the guard of the position. With Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Philip Rivers, and Ben Roethlisberger nearing the end, you should get used to seeing executives constructing true teams as opposed to QB-centric squads. How's that worked out? Is that what we've seen? No, we were just polluted by recency bias. One time, we had the Final Four have three players who you would not consider to be franchise quarterbacks out of the four. And there were plenty of people, NFL analysts and fans alike, who looked at that and said, you know what? My entire team building philosophy is changing now based on what I saw most recently. So let's not fall victim to building an entire team building philosophy around recency bias, but let's absolutely have a philosophy 
Let's have a philosophy. Let's be ideologues. Let's believe in things rather than just say, well, whatever he does is great because I'm happy with Brandon Bean or whatever he does is garbage because I'm mad at Brandon Bean because there will be people like that too. Whatever Sean McDermott does is garbage because I'm mad at Sean McDermott. There will be people on that side and neither one of those things is true. Sean McDermott will not always be correct because he's Sean McDermott. He will not always be wrong because he's Sean McDermott. Brandon Bean will not always be right because he's Brandon Bean and he will not always be wrong because he's Brandon Bean. There will be aspects that are good and aspects that are bad. And whether or not we like them or not should not be weighed based on the person doing it. It should be weighed based on what we believe the correct way of building a team is. That's what makes these discussions fun this offseason. That's what makes them interesting. It's all these conflicting priorities and conflicting philosophies coming into opposition with each other. That's what makes draft season fun. If they draft a wide receiver in the first round and an offensive lineman in the second, or if they draft an offensive lineman in the first and a wide receiver in the second, it really doesn't matter that much to me. What matters are the players, once the threshold of meaningful expenditure has been passed, would you agree that a second round pick in a wide receiver is a meaningful expenditure? I would. Would you agree that a second round pick in an offensive lineman is a meaningful expenditure? I would. Do you know why? Because I talked about meaningful expenditures with defensive linemen, with A.J. Epinesa and Boogie Basham. So now I can't say that those are meaningful expenditures in the defensive line when I'm using it as part of criticism, but then also not say it's a meaningful expenditure when I'm talking about wanting to invest in the offensive line or wanting to invest in the wide receiver core. I don't get to do that. That's a part of my philosophy that we're going to talk about later. If you say, I want a meaningful investment in X, Y, and Z, then you have to define meaningful. If meaningful is only a first-round pick, I think you're being too narrow with that. But that's an example of roster-building philosophy. Because I just said that you might want to meaningfully invest in wide receiver, offensive line, and there's going to be other players other positions that you want to meaningfully invest in. This might be the year to trade down. That's part of the philosophy of Bruce this offseason. This might be the year to trade down from 27. And I know that trading down from a high pick is not something that you see often from Brandon Bean. Traded down in the second a couple times and got James Cook last year, which I was pleased with the trade down. But he did it mostly to get the fourth back or a value for the fourth back that he expended by trading up in the first for Kyir Elam. So I think maybe this is the year to think about trading down from 27. They might be some quarterback needy teams who are at the top of the second who want to trade up and get that fifth-year option. That was a possibility. I think it's an opportunity to be able to fill more needs because you might not be able to pull the Brandon Bean special this year. You might not be able to fill all the needs before going into the draft because that's something Brandon Bean wants to do. But as the cap gets tighter and tighter and tighter, you might not need to, which means you might go into the draft with a need or two. And you don't necessarily want to be pinned down to that. So trade down. Give yourself some more picks. 
another roster building philosophical thing. We're going to talk about this offseason. Who are you going to get that's better as a replacement? Isn't the right question. Who are you going to get who is likely a better value and how probable is that is the right question. Well, Bruce, you don't want to keep Devin Singletary? Well, no, no, I don't. But Devin Singletary is fine. I know Devin Singletary is fine. But I don't want to pay a fine running back five and a half million dollars. Well, who are you going to get who's better? I don't want to spend meaningful money in free agency, if that's what you're wondering. Oh, so you, you want to draft one? Well, actually, no. I I want to get one in undrafted free agency. I made a meme that was maybe my most time-intensive meme on Twitter this week, where I took the conversation that George Costanza and Jerry Seinfeld had in a diner discussing their show about nothing during the show Seinfeld. And Jerry comes in and I modified the dialogue to make it fit. And he says, what do we got? George says, an idea. Jerry says, what idea? George says, an idea at running back. Well, I still don't know what the idea is. The idea is nothing, right? Well, everyone's doing something, we'll do nothing. So we go to the owner, we tell them we've got a running back acquisition strategy about nothing, exactly. They say, what's your strategy? We say nothing, there you go. I think you may have something here. That's what I want at running back. And we've talked about why a million times. But it's not about upgrading from Devin Singletary. It's about finding someone close to, maybe better than Devin Singletary, you don't know, but finding someone close to Devin Singletary who instead of costing you $5 million a year, costs you $705,000 a year, which is a lot different. Very, very, very different. So it's not about who are you going to replace him with who's better, It's about how are you going to find better value? And it's never been more important to find value than when you have a quarterback whose cap hit starts to jump. So that's what I mean when I say ideologue. These are some things that I believe in. You remember the book of Bruce where I'm more than happy to lay out my own personal ideologies. A lot of people are, quite frankly, they're scared to do that. They're scared to do that because they don't want to back themselves into a corner where later on they have to defend themselves when their team does something different. So instead, they're just partisans. Instead, things are just great because the guy I like did them. I don't really have opinions. It's just whatever that guy says, I'm good with. Or whatever that guy says, I'm against. Let's be ideologues. Let's believe in things. And there's never a better time than this offseason to do it. Because this offseason, you can get away with it more than you previously were able to. So if you've got opinions in there, now's the time, baby. Hit me up. We're going to talk about some of those opinions that I got via email on the other side of this break. Stick with me. We'll be right back. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. 
And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We talked about ideologues versus partisans. And one of the things that it kind of inspired me to do this was I got an email from a guy named Nick, not my previous co-host, Nick, but Nick, who said, Bruce, a couple end of season thoughts that may be contrarian to your points. You often state that you are team do nothing at running back. I have to disagree. Now, I agree with the general premise. I think team no major investment at RB could be argued. It seems late-round flyers on RBs play dividends. Pacheco, Boston Scott, having different skill sets at the position can help diversify run games. Although I wouldn't draft a running back in the first two rounds, I also wouldn't draft a running back running slower than a 4-5. Don't blitz good quarterbacks. I think this is becoming outdated a little bit, he says. Quarterbacks that can identify coverages and work through progressions will always find someone. Being able to make a QB hesitate in their progressions is more valuable than making them get to their third read quickly for a more modest game. Cincy, Chargers, they would have the best game-specific plans. Of course, they don't always work, but I wouldn't want to face them in the playoffs. Not saying you always blitz, just don't sit back in a deep shell making them methodically move down the field because good quarterbacks will. Besides that, I'm not excited Fangio is now with the Dolphins. I would put him up there with some of the best game day schemers, and I'd be curious to hear your opinion on our D-line. It seems some players don't develop here as often as we like. Is there something to that? Or is it just me watching our team more closely than other teams giving me a skewed view? Thanks for all you do, Nick. So when I say hashtag do nothing at RB, I literally mean do nothing of any value at all. So if you want to throw a late day three pick out there, sure, I'm okay with it. But when I say do nothing, I mean, I don't want to sign a vet free agent to a $4 million a year deal. I don't want to sign Devin Singletary to a $5 million a year deal. I want to roll in to training camp with James Cook, Naheem Hines on what is very likely to be a restructured contract because he has no guaranteed money left and a couple undrafted free agents. If you want to get a vet minimum running back back in here, I'm okay with that. But when I say nothing, I literally mean basically nothing. If they draft another running back in the third, for example, you said I wouldn't draft a running back in the first two rounds. If they draft another running back in the third, I'm going to be upset because we're just overexpending assets as far as draft capital. Not necessarily money, but draft capital on that position. I will be, I will be disappointed. Now, you can still get a good player there. It's the same argument I made when I was talking about getting Brees Hall in the first last year. Brees Hall's still a good player. I don't... It's just bad value. And you can find good players without having to give that same value up. You don't have to give that up to find good players. So when you choose to do so, when there is a more efficient way of doing it elsewhere, that's when I get irritated. The don't blitz good quarterbacks. There are specific quarterbacks that you just don't do it. You just don't do it. Now, I think good is a little too broad. There are some specific quarterbacks who struggle versus the play. Josh Allen. Josh Allen is worse against the Blitz. Josh Allen's a good quarterback. Occasionally he'll make you pay, but 
you blitz Josh Allen. He's a good quarterback. But there are certain quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes, for example, where it's just never a good idea. I would like to see zero blitzes against them. So it's not just about good. It's about stylistically the type of quarterback they are that makes a blitz versus a not blitz a good idea. Now, Fangio to the Dolphins is not official as of the recording of this podcast, but it looks like it's probably going to be official at some point. And I agree with you. I'm not happy about Fangio to the Dolphins. I think he's a really good defensive coordinator. I think that gives them a really good offensive planner and a really good defensive planner. So I'm not thrilled about that. And if Tua comes back and looks as good as he looked before, the Dolphins are going to make noise next year. Um, and I'm not thrilled about it, to be honest. Not not happy. I mean, I'm happy for Dolphins fans, sure, but I'm not happy for me. Patrick sent me an email and said, Hey, Bruce, longtime listener, first-time emailer. I want to say this is my favorite sports podcast, and the only other one that comes close is Food for Thought. In an industry dominated by people either screaming hot takes at each other or just being blatant homers, it's nice to listen to a show that can break things down in a calm, logical, and rational way, which is what all Bill's Mafia needs this week. I'm sad about Food for Thought ending, but I look forward to more of the exclusive. Anyways, I'm reaching out because there's a John Madden quote that's been living rent-free in my head since 13 seconds that's helping me process the loss right now, and I'd like to share it. It's from the America's Game documentary on the Raiders' Super Bowl run, and it's like him talking about the playoff runs that preceded it. I was never frustrated, he says, because I knew we were good. I knew we were close. And we never lost to a bad team. We lost to some of the greatest teams in the NFL. The worst thing you could do is get to the playoffs, lose a championship game, and panic. Because all we did was maybe need a first down here, a call there, and you would have been there. The guys that had to be frustrated were the guys that won two games. I'm frustrated, Patrick said, but we aren't getting knocked out by seventh seed teams in a wild card round or being eliminated from playoff contention as week 14, like in the dark days. We're getting knocked out by the best teams in our conference that are being quarterbacked by pro bowlers. This team is so close to winning a championship, we just need to keep fighting. I love the quote because the quote sounds a lot to me like be as good as you can for as long as you can and hope you get lucky, which is the Bruce mindset be as good as you can for as long as you can and hope you get lucky because there's a significant aspect of luck to football that we don't like talking about that's another example of me being an ideologue and that that right there kind of informs the remainder of my opinions daniel sent me an email and said i love the bill so much the team, our incredible fan base, the amazing group of content creators that reflect and inform us every week, and of course, the never-dying hope and drive that one day we will stand victorious. Lombardi in one hand, Labat in the other. For this year, I say, if you score less than the other team does on their first two drives, you're going to lose 100% of the time, every time. We're going to win this Super Bowl one day, but for now, that's the way the cookie crumbles. You're right, Daniel. You're absolutely right. I really, the reason I even read that one online here is because I love Lombardi in one hand, Labat in the other. I absolutely love that line. I just think it's great. Trevor sent me an email and said, I'm sad to write this email, but it's necessary. Thank you for all your hard work this preseason and offseason, covering the team and keeping a lot of fans grounded. I continued to come back to that podcast you had on calling some people's fandom an addiction. Since then, I just don't spend as much time dwelling on the loss. It's a pretty awesome feeling. That after about 10 minutes of being upset, I can go pet my dog and nothing else really matters at that point. 
There's way more to life than letting a game ruin a significant portion of my day, week, or month. For now, I'll lay down and bleed a while, then rise to fight again. Cheers to the offseason. Hope you get some good rest and hopefully warm weather soon. I think that the most significant contribution that I have made to the people who have listened to this podcast is that podcast from last year where I talked about fandom. And I talked about how it's supposed to be fun and it's supposed to be a hobby. I've had more people email me about that pod than any other show I've ever done. And if I retire tomorrow and you never hear my voice ever again on a podcast, I will view my time doing a podcast as successful because that has impacted you. So thank you for taking the time to say that to me. Thank you for sending me the kind words because that's all I've ever really wanted. I just want to do a good job and I want to have a positive impact. And thanks to emails like that, I know that I did. I would also like to make a special shout out to Squeedersaurus who sent me the email. I'm not going to read it here because it was fairly personal, but I want you to know that I heard it. I read it meant something to me. So I appreciate you. I also got some food recommendations from Jeremy in my email because now we don't have food for thought. So they don't have another place to put it. (laughs) So I'll make sure I share them with Mrs. Nolan folks. We did it. We did it. We talked about stuff today. The off season's kicking off. I started watching draft prospects, following the senior bowl, watch the NFL PA bowl, getting caught up on unrestricted free agents. Man, it's it's a fun time of year for me. The roster construction strategy part has always been an awesome part for me because it's conflicting ideologies and team building and there's a chess aspect to this I really enjoy. So I'm going to keep being an ideologue and keep believing in things and I hope that y'all will join me this offseason on the ideologue train. And if not, and you're just mad at me and you say, well, Bruce, I'm going to keep hating things because Brandon Bean did it, or I'm going to keep loving things because Brandon Bean did it. Well, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rockers.